as we come to the, the passage that John read to us this morning, we come to one of the most emotionally painful episode, episodes in all of uh, the gospel accounts. And it is the moment where a man denies and deserts his closest friend in his hour of greatest need to save himself. And that, that's really what's happening here in the story that we read. It's not just an emotionally painful story, but it's also a highly instructive story. And so it's through uh, the experiences of Peter that we learn several important things um, that will practically help us to um, be strong and, and survive the temptations that, that come our way. And, and so we're going to look at that in a moment. But first of all, I want us to just get, we, we just need to kind of remind ourselves a little bit about Peter and, and who Peter was. Uh, because Peter, of course, was, um, you know, in many ways, he was, he was kind of the leader of the apostolic group. Uh, he was certainly one of the inner circle of apostles. Uh, Jesus chose 12 men to be his apostles. We know one was a traitor, Judas. Uh, but out of the other 11, there were three that Jesus was especially close to and brought into uh, a more uh, intimate kind of experience in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And, and that was Peter, James, and John. And they're, they're always sort of in that order, Peter, James, and John. And so Peter was, um, even later in the story of the gospel, uh, Paul would refer to Peter as a pillar in the early church. So that's who Peter was. He, he was a leader among the apostles. He, Peter was a man of faith. Remember, Peter was the one who, when they were crossing the Sea of Galilee in that storm and Jesus came walking to them at night on the water, Peter was the one who said, Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. So he, he was a man of faith. Remember also, Peter was the one who identified, first of all, uh, publicly, uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus asked everybody, who, uh, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? And they gave their various answers. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ. Peter was also there at the Mount of Transfiguration, just following this, this incident that we mentioned there. So when Jesus was taken up or went up onto this high mountain and there he was transformed and he was, uh, they, were, they saw him in his glory, Peter was one of the three. Peter, James, and John were there with Jesus. And finally, remember that Peter attempted to deliver Jesus uh, from those who came to arrest him. Peter was the one who pulled out his sword. And 
We know from the gospel account, he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest in his attempt to defend Jesus. So Peter was a passionate, courageous, and a self-confident man. And so this is the person that we just read about who before this crowd of people, this small crowd of people, and this young woman, he denies that he even knows Jesus. Now, there's just a few other things in the background that we need to look at. Now, remember, Jesus had actually told Peter that this was going to happen. Just back uh, a few verses earlier, Jesus had said in verse 27 to, to the group, he said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus answered him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all chimed in and said the same thing. But you see, Jesus, Jesus told Peter that this would come. And yet Peter insists, no, never, absolutely not. Though all deny you. Now implied in that is these other guys might, but I never will. I am your most loyal follower. Is, is really what, what Peter was communicating. And then as we uh, see that Jesus was arrested, um, verse 54 says, uh, after they led, led away Jesus, it says, but Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire Now over into verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it. So what do we learn from this story? Well, There are a number of things. The first thing that we learn is that we, all of us, have feet of clay. All of us have feet of clay. Even the most spiritual among us can stumble. I mean, we just looked at Peter, who he was, and and yet this man who was a great man in so many ways and a passionate follower of Jesus, yet he stumbles. And and it's just a reminder to us that no one is immune to this kind of thing. But if we look closely, we can see the root of why Peter stumbled. And it was his self-confidence. And so 
Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 12th verse, he said, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And, and Peter's like the poster child for that statement. Because Peter said, no, I, I never will. Although all forsake you, I will not do it. Now, it's true that we are oftentimes when somebody does stumble, especially somebody who is a, you know, maybe a prominent figure, maybe somebody that we look at as, as uh, you know, this, this person is, is definitely a, a solid spiritual leader. But we all probably at least can think of one person that like with that stature that, that has stumbled and fallen. And I think our response is always pretty much the same. It's unbelief. How could that happen? How could a person like that? I mean, I, I get it that somebody else could. I mean, maybe I, you, know, you might even say, I, I could see how I could do that, but I don't see how they could do that. Well, just remember, when you think that, remember that the apostle Peter had that moment of stumbling. And so none of us are um, immune to the possibility of this. The second thing that I think is important to see is that there's no insignificant temptation. Now, I mean, think about this. This happens to Peter, this the guy who just earlier had drawn his sword and was ready to challenge this garrison of soldiers that had come. I mean, that seemed like a pretty fearless act. But now, one of the servant girls says, you were with Jesus of Nazareth. And it's one of the servant girls. I mean, talk about a seemingly insignificant threat, especially in the context of who Peter is and what he's already displayed. But he, he buckles under that pressure. And, and it's just a reminder to us that, that there is no insignificant temptation. Never make light of temptation because it seems small or insignificant. It's not. Now, the devil is the tempter, right? We know that. And what we just need to remember is that the devil has a strategy. He has a game plan. And if, if any temptation comes to you, be it ever so small, it's part of a larger strategy that he has to ultimately bring you down. See, he might not come with the full force of some irresistible or seemingly irresistible type of temptation initially. What he will do is he will come with something that's small. And it seems insignificant, but it's part of the strategy to begin to weaken your defenses, so that at the opportune time, he can come in with that 
final blow because the enemy wants to bring us down. He wants to take us out. Uh, He wants to eliminate me and you from being an instrument that God can use. That's his goal. You know, we say God loves you and has a plan for your life. We could equally say Satan hates you and also has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is to destroy you. His plan for your life is to, to prevent you from doing the thing that God has called you to do, the thing that God created you to do. And, and you know, some people will say, well, like, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm nobody special. Why would the enemy be after me? You are somebody special. You're a child of God. God loves you. That makes you special. And that makes you a target. And so Peter was targeted, but the temptation seemed like, who's afraid of a young girl? But Peter, at this point, succumbed to this and denied the Lord. And then we see that sin, because that's what Peter ends up doing here. He's sinning. Um, Sin always leads to sorrow. It says that Jesus, um, or, or here we're told that after this happened, as Peter thought about it, he wept. Luke gives us more detail. And Luke tells us that at the moment that So Peter had denied the Lord, just like he said he would. And then the rooster crowed. And Luke tells us that when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. So Peter was close enough to see what was happening with Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus turned and he looked at Peter. And you can only imagine what that moment must have been like. And that's why I said initially this was uh, one of the most emotionally painful episodes in all the gospel accounts. The pain that there must have been. As, As Peter locked eyes on Jesus, having just sworn with an oath that he did not know this man. And Luke tells us, Not that when he thought about it, he wept. Luke tells us that he went out and he wept bitterly. So Peter is just devastated at his own failure. And the point is, this sin always leads to weeping. Sin always leads to a a bitter result. And we can't forget that either. Because, of course, sin is, sin is deceptive. And sin attracts us because it appears to be harmless. It appears to be innocent. It appears to be not that big of a deal. It won't really hurt to dabble in this or to do that. But remember, the intention is to bring us down And it will always lead to weeping. It will always lead. At some point in time, it will always lead to 
bitter anguish within. Now, this is Peter's experience, but the wonderful thing is that grace and mercy have the last word in Peter's life. And that is such an encouraging thing. Now, remember, Jesus had said publicly, whoever denies me before men, I will deny them before my Father who is in heaven. I am absolutely certain that Satan relentlessly reminded Peter of that statement. I mean, Peter seems to have done exactly what Jesus said. If a person was to do, he would then deny them. Boy, the the condemnation that Peter must have lived under these days, it, it would have been so intense. But there's another component in the story that we need to consider. And again, Luke gives us a more detailed account because when Jesus told Peter earlier that he was going to deny him, Luke tells us in the fuller account that Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Man, I don't know about you, but if Jesus said that to me, I would not be happy. I would be fearful. But that's what Jesus said. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But here's the great side of that. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Wow. So we see this whole thing is so intense. This is the work of Satan. That's what's happening to Peter. Peter's being sifted. Now, being sifted is what the devil is doing to Peter, but God is using this occasion to also do something in Peter. And you see, that's what so often happens. When we go through temptation, when we go through trials, uh, even sometimes when we fall, God uses those things. He, he allows us to be sifted. And, you know, the idea of sifting is to uh, just get the bad material out. You're, you're refining it. You're, you're uh, preserving the, the good and you're, you're releasing the, the bad stuff. And that's what's happening with Peter. He's, he's being sifted. 
And Jesus assures him, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. So he had a momentary lapse of faith, but he was restored. And, and as Jesus said, when you are restored to me, strengthen your brothers. And, and that, of course, becomes the rest of the story of Peter's life. But specifically with Peter and the sifting, what was God allowing the sifting for? What, what needed to happen with Peter? Well, Peter, as we mentioned, Peter was a self-sufficient, a self-reliant man who was filled with a bit of self-importance. And he said it. Although everybody else forsake you, Lord, I will not. I'm better than these guys. I love you more. I'm more spiritual. I'm more committed. That's his his uh, (laughs) self-confidence. Now, we should be confident in our faith. There's, it's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be self-confident, which is rooted in self-importance. And these are the things that the Lord had to purge out of Peter. And so Satan comes and I want to sift this guy. And the Lord says, okay. But I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And we can be sure because Jesus is praying for us when we go through siftings, whatever they might be, um, that there is an intended outcome by the Lord to purify us, to refine us, to actually um, further develop his work in our lives so we can be more the people that he wants us to be. Now, there comes a moment, and there, there are a couple things that happen after the death of Jesus and his resurrection. One of the things, of course, is that Peter, um, Peter goes to the tomb. So whatever it was that was going through the mind of Peter as he went to the tomb, yet he went to the tomb when he heard that the body was no longer there, he and John raced to the tomb together. But when the women who had talked to Jesus saw Peter and John, they said that Jesus said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I go before them into Galilee and there I will see them. Boy, can you imagine what that would have been like for Peter to hear that? Go tell my disciples and specifically Peter. You can imagine Peter just like, wait, what? What? He said, me? No, are you sure? No. Did he really? He said, Peter? Because of course, Peter thought I denied him. But no, Jesus said, He said, tell my disciples and Peter. 
And so what happens, some of you know the story already, but what happens is Jesus does go to Galilee. And early one morning, as the disciples have gone back out fishing, Jesus appears on the shore of the sea and he lights a fire and he makes some breakfast. And he calls out to the disciples in the boat and they, John somehow recognizes it's the Lord and they make their way there to Jesus around this little fire. And you can only imagine that suddenly Peter's thinking, oh, a fire. It was at a fire that he had denied. He even knew Jesus three times. And there they are, the small band of them gathered around the fire. And what does Jesus do? He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Now, there's been all kinds of speculation about what the more than these are. But, you know, I think it, it was the guys around. Because that's pretty much what he said. Lord, these guys are going to let you down. I never will. Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then what does Jesus do? He says, then feed my lambs. And Jesus goes through and three times he says to Simon, do you love me? And allows Simon to reaffirm his love for him three times. Somebody asked me that question the other day. Why did Jesus do that three times? How many times did Peter deny that he knew Jesus? Three times. And so Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to reaffirm his love. And of course, that was Jesus's way of restoring this fallen disciple. And we know that from this point forward, Peter, who had denied that he even knew Jesus, swore with an oath, this same man went on to be the first to publicly proclaim the gospel on the day of Pentecost and see 3,000 Jews put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. This man went on to be uh, the first person to take the gospel to the Gentiles when he went into the house of Cornelius in Caesarea. Peter would go on. Now remember, it was fear that caused him to deny Jesus. Peter would go on to be jailed several times. He would be beaten in uh, the course of the arrest and so forth several times. But finally, Peter would die a martyr's death. Peter would die for his faith in Jesus Christ. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are restored, 
strengthen your brothers. And that's exactly what happened. So here's the word that I want us to leave with today. Um, If anyone thinks they stand, take heed lest you fall. We all have feet of clay. We're all vulnerable. But a sure path to falling is to think you never will. That's a sure path. I mean, sometimes I hear people say stuff and I'm like, oh, don't, no, please don't say that. You know, they might even see somebody who sinned and they're disgusted by that. They think, I would never do anything like that. Be careful because you have the same heart that that person has. And the Bible says it's a heart that is deceitful above everything and incurably sick and desperately wicked. So you can't even imagine yourself the potential for wickedness that is in you. None of us can. We look and we think, I would never, never do that. Be careful. Because if you, if you stay entrenched in that mentality, you will. You will do that. You will fall. Because that's, that's what happens. Pride leads to a fall. And remember that there's no temptation that's insignificant. It might appear to be small. might appear to be like, well, this isn't much. Surely I can do this and it's not going to affect me. No, remember, it's part of a strategy. It's part of a bigger strategy. And it's, it's, at this point, it's to weaken your defenses so the next time it'll be even easier till ultimately that time will come when you will be swept up in that net, that, that, that trap that the enemy sets. And the outcome is always bitter. It's always painful. So don't go there. And know that even in our times of testing, Jesus has prayed for us. And our faith will not fail. And even if you have failed, and maybe today you would even be identifying so thoroughly with Peter, maybe identifying more with him as he initially would have felt, that, that grief, that that bitter disappointment in, in himself. And, and you look at your own situation and you think, you know, I've sinned and I don't even know how there's any way back. Well, let Peter remind you as well, there is a way back. And it's because grace and mercy have the last word. And Jesus is into restoration. And Jesus can take you from a hard, hard fall And he can pick you back up and he can renew you and strengthen you and send you back out and use you again, amazingly. That's because of his grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the story before us. Uh, Thank you for the example that we have Uh, through Peter's experience of your amazing grace and mercy. And Lord, as you even said, we think of how 
you warned them. You told them to, to watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Uh, Lord, help us to always be on our guard. Help us, Lord, to, um, to watch. And thank you, Lord, that you're watching over us. And thank you that even when uh, Satan has requested to sift us as wheat, Lord, if you allow that, that you're allowing that for a greater purpose of grace to be worked in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that we would learn this lesson from this life as you set forth this story for us to to be able to consider and to be able to be instructed by. And Lord, thank you for your restoring Grace, thank you that it's so thorough, it's so amazing, it's so wonderful. Thank you, Lord, that we can be forgiven and we can move on in the call that you have upon our lives. And so, Lord, I I pray for anyone that this is really specifically speaking to today, that you would just confirm your love to them as they reaffirm their love for you and that you'd lead them out of the pit of despair, lead them out of condemnation, lead them, Lord, on the path of humility and dependence on you and victory and success. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.